This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. I never created any barriers. I was never told there was going to be any. I never put any roadblocks in, so I didn't have any to kick down. But it still is very male dominated. You know, a lot of our, most of our customers are male. I personally have never worked for a female, but anyway, but we have to continue to encourage each other because this country needs male and females in STEM. We have a shortage. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. And thanks for joining another episode designed to help you better to lead at the top of your game. You know, I had the pleasure of attending the Women in Technology Awards here in Atlanta this weekend in support of a very dear friend who was up for an executive award. And while I am happy to say that my friend won, I must admit that I was captivated by all the stories of the nominees and their challenges that they had to overcome in their various professions. You know, it's no secret that being a female executive in STEM has its shared challenges. And if you add to it the complexity that occurs when your company's key client decision makers are in male-dominated positions in like the military and commercial enterprises, wow, that is such a challenge for uh, executives, especially women executives, to overcome. However, my guest on today's show did not let these obstacles stop her from running a certified woman-owned cybersecurity firm recognized five years straight by Inc. 5000 as one of our country's fastest-growing small businesses. Tracy Gregorio is the CEO of G2 Ops, which is an IT engineering and cybersecurity company serving the U.S. Navy, government entities, and commercial enterprises. Previously, she was a software engineer for the Navy and also an analyst for cable broadcast network. But she used her intellectual horsepower to see the important role that cybersecurity was going to play in the world, just as uh, cybersecurity was becoming a budding industry within itself. And so on today's show, Tracy shares with us some of the leadership challenges that she and other technology executives face as they try to keep their companies and your data safe from hackers who possess ill intent. And you know, one thing that struck me was how common it is for companies to use a variety of technology platforms that may integrate with each other well performance-wise, but may not be at an A-plus level security-wise. And this is very, very scary indeed. And we see a lot of these stories in today's media when things go wrong. So 
hope you enjoy the episode and be sure to stay tuned for just two minutes after the episode to listen to my closing segment called Karen's Take, where I share a tip on how to use insights from today's episode to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now enjoy the show. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen and welcome to another episode of the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. We have a special guest today. I'm so pleased to have on today's show, Tracy Gregorio, who is the CEO of G2 Ops, which is an IT engineering and cybersecurity company serving the U.S. Navy, government, and commercial enterprises. Welcome to the podcast, Tracy. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here today. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Being a a leader of a cybersecurity company, I'm sure is very eventful, and we're going to really want to delve into that in a moment. But before we do so, if you don't mind, for as much as you feel comfortable, can you give us a sneak peek into your personal life and passions? All right, sure. So hello, everyone, again. And I was born and raised in Norfolk, Virginia. And you know, that impacted my worldview and you know, supporting the Navy is very near and dear to my heart. So that kind of spoke into everything that I did. But I majored in computer science. You know, it was tough then and it's tough now. <laughs> yes. And, but it's a, been a really great career. And I just progressed, you know, as a computer programmer, then a database administrator, project manager, worked for the government, a public company, just had a great opportunity to learn continuously. And then 10 years ago, with my husband and another partner, uh, we decided we wanted to uh, break out on our own and uh, try to bring some innovative technology to the way they manage complex systems for the Navy. You know, that was our target and the reason um, that we are with G2 Ops today. So that's it in a nutshell. So everything prepare me for where I am today. Oh, what a wonderful story. Thank you so much for sharing. And I'm sure you're, it makes total sense for you to be focusing, especially your location and the needs of the Navy. But when did you realize that this, your work was expanding into some of the commercial areas and, and other industries? Has that been just recently over the last like five years or did you see an evolution over time? Yeah, it actually has been about five years because of cybersecurity. Mm. You know, the government and the Navy and the Air Force or whatever, they're all trying to cyber- solve, stay ahead of cybersecurity. Yeah. So it was the private sector. Yeah. The same challenges. So we, we do a lot of consulting with small and medium-sized businesses to help them improve their cyber posture. Gotcha. So we help them develop roadmaps. Can you share a little bit more about that, uh, some of that core work? Like, what does that consulting at a high level entail? Because I know it's a lot of detailed technical uh, work, but at a high level, um, kind of what do you all do? Well, really, any business owner, you know, has to protect customer data, employee data at a minimum. At a very minimum. And then a lot of uh, businesses have requirements with their customers, you know, if you're in healthcare or you even you know, protect tax records, whatever. Right. And there's some really good basic things every company needs to do. So we'll sit down with the CEO. A lot of them don't have IT departments. Yeah. You know, a lot of money to spend. We're, and we look at where's the best investment 
and how can you build on it over time? So let's say you want to make some improvements over two or three, four years, because that's what their budget allows. So we'll work with them to put together a roadmap of the best things that they need to do. And it always starts with training your employees, number one. I can imagine that because even with me, you know, moving from corporate America to, you know, owning my own firm, we launched in 2013. And most of our clients are like mid-sized to larger enterprise level firms. You know, they're requiring even people that do HR and leadership to have a certain degree of uh, data protection, you know, things that we probably wouldn't have thought about. I'm telling my age, but, you know, 15 to 20 years ago, now we're being required to go through, you know, checks and authentic- and be authenticate that we're, you know, doing things the right way based on, and your contract depends upon that. So I'm sure that's why also um, you all are getting a ton of business <laughs> from companies and the government on doubling down on that. And I'm just curious, how has or has the whole acceleration with AI impacted, you know, your business or industry? Well, for us, we're really looking at how can we bring it in to be more efficient, more competitive, you know, drive down our costs. Sure. Because we have to be familiar with it. But, you know, AI can be broached by a cybersecurity criminal also. So you have to verify the data you're getting back. AI, but it's really looking at how can it improve our business and what we're delivering to our clients. That's where we're at right now. Gotcha. AI. And who's your core target audience that your company focuses on? For the majority of our work, it's the Navy and it's groups that are managing large, complex systems, say for communication or even weapon systems on a ship. You know, they're built by many different contractors. And when those systems come together, there's a lot of complexity, information shared in between. And we help them manage that complexity and understand, oh, if I upgrade over here, how does it affect this other piece of the system from a cyber you know, perspective? That's an easy example. We build the digital twin of their systems. Gotcha. That makes a ton of sense. But I would imagine, I mean... You know, me having come from the tech world, technology changes at a nanosecond. So even small businesses, I know you create a strategic plan for them, but I can imagine where their CEOs or CTOs are needing to excel. They might start out with strategy, but find that they need to make quicker investments in their cybersecurity plans because by the if they can't wait three years, right, to have a good... (laughs) implementation. They Things change so quickly. They need to kind of take baby steps as quick as they can afford it. Or am I wrong? No, no, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's training for the employees and, you know, doing upgrades, you know, you know, from where you've worked before. Yeah. Well, the Microsoft spend millions and millions of dollars to fix any holes or that are in the software. So use yeah. those upgrades. Let those big companies do the heavy work for you. Yeah. But you have to do, do, you know, plan for all that. Well, I really would love also, Tracy, for you to share a bit about your, your and your husband's and your partner's founder journey, if you will. How did you all start the business? And I, I think I read in your profile that, you know, you had a, a bit of help with I don't know, it's a small business administration or you got or you got to learn about how to uh, do business with the federal government. But can you share a, a bit about your founder's journey? 
with us. Yes. So thank you. So, you know, I, I was in, uh, I had a great job that I loved and my husband's like, let's, you know, I see a, a change coming with model-based system engineering. This is a methodology. Let's get out on the front end of it. And so we said, okay, let's, you know, we want to help make large companies deliver things faster to the government or even the government things that are developing internally. So he's a retired submariner and really said, let's come do this. You know, you've got the uh, corporate experience, you know, to be the CEO. And then our other partner, Kevin Esser, is a cybersecurity savant. I mean, he's just dedicated many years of his career in information assurance and cyber. So um, that was our, you know, team. And it's, it's hard at first, you, you're, you do whatever you can, jo- small jobs, you know, medium jobs, and you start getting, you know, okayed by the, the government to do business with them. That takes a long time. That's what I hear. Yeah. And we didn't win our first contract until three years after we started. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you sub under others? By oh, yeah. 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 To some large companies. And like I said, uh, consulting, you know, anything anybody needed. Because, you know, you have to generate revenue. Yes. To grow and invest right. in your company. So that was it. And then once you win one, it just, you know, it gives you confidence. And then you just uh, try to make improvements. But our key is just is hiring really, really good people. Yeah. So that's, you know, we go after those people that, you know, want to do good work, great work ethic, smart, and then they attract others. Yeah. Like attracts like, right? (laughs) Great people attract great people. (laughs) Are you, do you always have your eye out for great new talent that's out there? Um, Always. Always. (laughs) Always. So yeah, we've got some good stories. A few people that have been with us quite a few years. One girl was finishing up her degree and was a, a, you know, waitress at a restaurant and we met her and just, you know, her work ethic. Another, they joke about it. She just finished grad school, had worked at Lululemon through grad school and was just, and I happened to be in a Lululemon one day and I was like, you know, oh, and she just was such a great employee. Oh, wow. And I just said, tell me about yourself. She said, oh, I just got my uh, MPA from, uh, the George Washington University. And I said, we need someone (laughs) Been with us over six years. So I'm always looking. And then of course, great. We work closely with a lot of universities too. I can imagine some of their talent coming out. That That is tremendous. And then I understand you, you all have grown to over 150 employees now, right? Right. Right. Oh, congratulations on that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sure that growth over these years brings interesting leadership dynamics, you know, managing, you know, teams of individuals. So I'm curious of what are some of your top challenges right now as being um, an executive of G2 Ops? Yeah, I mean, I, we always have to focus on growth, you know, especially adding all these people because yeah. things happen, things change you know, and they're going to want to be challenged differently, get promoted. So we constantly have to be looking at our pipeline. Yeah. So that's always a big investment. And then the hiring, it's so funny. Our team loves coming in the office. We're in Arlington, Virginia Beach, and San Diego. And our offices are bustling. And uh, we're looking at space challenges. (laughs) Really? 
<laughs> that now, you know, all their offices are still empty, but like working together and collaborating. So that, and then of course, it's always the, the cash flow on the business side yeah, and the banking. So it's, it's a mix and then keeping up with technology, you know, all the time. And how do you all kind of keep your knowledge sharp about some of the new trends? I'm, I mean, how do you do you gather it from multiple places? Do you keep your ear to the street? Do you follow uh, various research reports? How how do you all stay on top of your area in tech? I, we we reinvest a lot into the staff and your certifications, credentials. We give education credit, and I think that's what a lot of people like coming here because it's competitive. But it helps us too when we're bidding on new work, right? You know, if someone's got, oh, now they have all these certifications in cloud, you know, Microsoft Azure or AWS, whatever. And then, of course, all the cybersecurity certifications and staying on top. So that's been our best investment is just plow back into the employees. And we have over 95% retention. Oh, uh, my gosh, Tracy. What is the answer to the secret sauce for that? That's what I need to know. (laughs) And I think it's because they can grow and learn here. And, you know, be empowered. So, but we celebrate every month. We go over what certifications people got. You know, some of them they do on their own, but we publish it every month. And recognize them for it. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, recognition goes a long way because most employees just want to be appreciated for their knowledge or contributions and things that they've done. So, gosh, if you all do that every month. Um, No wonder y'all have a great environment there. (laughs) Well, you know, one thing that, especially being in tech, um, we as women hate to have that question, what's it like to be a woman in tech, you know, because we just want to be appreciated for our work. But um, since you are an executive and a leader in, in your own business, I'm just curious from the contracting side um, or the business side, what is it like to be, you know, at the top and be in those intense client negotiations in a male dominated field such as cybersecurity? So it's just something you have to <laughs> get used to. I mean, yeah. you know, right out of school, I went to work in uh, defense work. So it was always male dominated and I never served in the military. So that's intimidating. On you know, top you of that. Relate, you know, necessarily, but I, I think it's just, you know, if you're good at your job, they don't care. They, they no. shouldn't. Not at all. They should not even think about gender. It's about no. getting that done, right? Right. I never created any barriers. I was never told there was going to be any. I never put any roadblocks in. So I didn't have any to kick down. Yeah. So, but it still is very male dominated. You know, a lot of our, most of our customers are male. I personally have never worked for a female. And, uh, but anyway, but we have to continue to encourage each other because this country needs male and females in STEM. Absolutely. We have a shortage, <laughs> a dire shortage. Mm-hmm. And I had I'd spoken at a conference, um, Gallup, at their headquarters in DC late last year. And I was talking to them about trends that I was seeing in the future of work. And I was, you know, speaking mm-hmm. and that was the one of the things that we talked about were or that people were moving away from de- kids were moving away from degrees 
and we're really focusing on skills now. And so companies are having to take a different approach than, say, 15 years ago and looking for individuals that have the right skill sets for the jobs that are within their companies versus having you know, a master's degree in X, Y, and Z. Now, it may be a, a bit different in tech and cybersecurity because there's a lot that goes into knowledge that goes into those specific areas. But, but one, uh, my point was that one of the things that came up in the conference was the severe shortage of just individuals in tech, much less, you know, much more females in tech. So, and, and all STEM disciplines. And it sounds like you're seeing the same. Right oh, yeah. Now. Yeah. Exactly. So we got to encourage people at <laughs> elementary school, middle school, high school. Right. We got to get this turned around, you know, in really this country. quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I know a lot of us as leaders, we kind of learn from, I hate to say mistakes, but missteps, right? <laughs> <laughs> we take those missteps and then we, you know, learn a ton of great lessons from them. And I'm just curious if there were, you know, any areas of opportunity uh, along your founding journey of G2 Ops that you faced and what did you learn from them to help make you a better leader? I think, yeah, all of us face that. We make mistakes all the time. So I do. I'll admit it. (laughs) I think, you know, sometimes you're in a meeting and you're like, I wish I had said that or I could have said that better. So it's like, okay, now I'm not going to, how could I have prepared better? you know, so that doesn't happen again, or I'm not in that situation. So um, especially with customers, I like to, I don't want to be caught off guard on anything, you know, so I do a lot of prep work, you know, even for this, you know, podcast. So I wanted to, you know, understand, looked at your other podcast and everything (laughs) and, and, and all. To see if I was crazy, Tracy. (laughs) What I've learned is, uh, you know, be prepared. Yes. Uh, I mean, you only have so much time though. That's true. To prepare. But but we all make mistakes. I think my biggest is always, you know, communication. So could I have said that better? Could I have written that better? That's something I continue to work on. Yeah. And now we have AI to help us a little (laughs) bit. (laughs) We sure do. (laughs) You know, one of my challenges is I love to have my fingers in so many pots, if you will. I go to where the energy goes for me personally, and I have to course correct myself to make sure that I am focused on the task at hand and helping either my staff or the clients at hand and make sure they're getting all that they need before I jump to the next one. But I've put, because I know that about myself, I put that into how I manage myself so that I'm not the, being the detriment to you know, everyone around me. So, you know, I think we all do things to make sure that we stay performing at a high level. And it sounds like you do as well, right? <laughs> yeah, especially coming from a technology background. Yes. I, I want to get in. I want to help them solve problems, you know. Yeah. Um, I couldn't code now, but, you know, and sometimes I have to say, stop, let them, you know, handle it. Right. And I've got to keep pushing on the strategic side. On the strategic side. Even though it's fun, you know. It is fun. (laughs) (laughs) No, it makes a ton of sense. So, you know, one of the things we love to ask on this show is your impressions on 
you know, the research that we've done for our book. And you were so kind enough to share that one of the tactics that we write about that and we teach about that really jumped out and resonates with you is when leaders lead with strategic decision-making. And audience, you remember leading with strategic decision-making is um, just what it sounds like. It's about making really strong, great decisions yourself or leading a great decision-making process with your team or those you're collaborating with. So I'm just curious, Tracy, why does strategic decision-making really stand out for you? You know, we can do pros and cons and analyze things to death, but I've always been impressed with leaders that can make a decision. And um, you're like, okay, we got to move faster, especially in this economy. And anyway, we've learned just make a decision. And if it turns out not so well, we'll learn from it. But how... I've learned to trust my gut, you know, through all these years. And I really want the audience to know that, you know, we were given this brain from God, which is a very sophisticated neural network. Okay. More than no AI can replicate it. They try. Um, And it's sending a signal to your gut, you know, and saying, you know, and get that signal from experiences or pain you've gone through. But I think learning to make the right strategic decisions for our company um, has been very rewarding too, especially when you're, it works out, you know, oh, we took the right path. It's funny, something I was trying to rush on uh, recently and I was like, no, I got to wait on that decision. And then all of a sudden it became clear, you know, what the right decision was. Cause my gut was saying, you know, wait on something. So strategic decisions, you know, are going to point you in the right direction. Yes. So uh, taking time and, and learning. And I call a lot of people, I get input, you know, great. We have great attorneys, accounts, depends on what it is. Right, right. You know, other, you know, spent time meeting other CEOs, other leaders, you know, how would you handle this situation and that sort of thing, getting input. So and coming up with that, that little group to talk to. So but your company's like, just make a decision, you know, and you have to. You have to. You're absolutely right. But if you're kind of pointed in the right way based on the knowledge you gain from your colleagues and mentors or trends in the market or whatever, it really helps those first baby steps you make or it helps you build your confidence anyway for those first baby steps. Do you Mm -hmm. agree? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Because we do a lot of contracting. You know, we have our own that we bid on. It's very competitive, but we also subcontract a lot. Mm. And it's like, team, do we want to be on? You know, of course, we want to be on the winning team. Absolutely. That plays a big part, you know, getting to know these people and understanding their strategy. You know, is it a winning strategy and that sort of thing? So, so I'm curious, Tracy, um, because I, I bet there's not enough hours in the day probably to get everything you want done. What does leading at the top of your game mean to you? For me, it's coming in and being present for everyone. I like to get to know um, everyone here and they'll hear, they've all heard me say this before. Our goal is for them to flourish. All right. And be the best they can be, whether they stay with us. If they go to another company, we want that other company to say, hey, I want some more people from G2. Right. <laughs> you know, because they're high performers or they're prepared. So my goal is to to make sure that the company is uh, running well, the right leadership's in place, 
everyone's communicated to like a symphony. I call it a conducting, like conducting a symphony. Right. Love that analogy. Yes. But you have to inspect, you have to check on people, you have to send meetings, you have to, I have a lot of regular meetings Um, that takes up a lot of time, but that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. As a leader. I'm checking in with clients and customers. So, and um, I enjoy that. That's where you, they, they'll tell you if anything's off. That's true. Or the best part is they tell you great things. And then you get to tell everyone this is a quote, you know, right from the customer. So I that brings it. a lot of joy to the team. I bet it does. I bet it does. So how does Tracy take care of Tracy? So oh. how, what do you do to decompress or get refocused or take some me time? What do you do? <laughs> Well, I love going to the gym. I go uh, every Monday, Wednesday. I go at 6 a.m. I used to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But uh, I mean, 25 years straight, I've been going to the same place. Wow. They're loving you, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I love it. Um, I like to run and do that. My husband and I like to travel. I like to always have something to look forward to. Me too. Yes. Okay. Whether it's, you know, uh, visiting uh, my daughter, you know, or uh, a trip that we're planning. Right. So I've always got to have that. And that, that motivates me, you know, to really, to really do that. But a lot of family. So just uh, enjoy being around family and friends. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. Well, before we let you out of here, Tracy, I'm just curious, do you have any other thoughts or any advice that you would love to share with um, other aspiring leaders? Any kind of tips that you've learned along the way? Okay. Yeah, I think, you know, your own house has to be in order to help other people and to lead them. And that's something I've learned. So it's kind of like the U.S., you know, our you know, economy and budget and we're in debt, you know, but we want to be a leader and help other countries. So we need to get ourselves straight. So I've learned that. And you have to read, 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 especially in technology. But I like reading about leadership, keeping up with tech and, you know, continuing to push yourself, I think would be the best, the best advice. I love that. I love that. And can you give just a quick word of encouragement for anyone who's thinking about going into STEM fields or even cybersecurity? That might be one click down too much for some, but just in the STEM fields, can you give just a, a quick note of encouragement for those who are considering that, that it is, there's some great opportunities in the STEM areas? Right. I think the biggest thing is it's um, so many verticals and that's, you know, you can be in healthcare, you can be in television, you yeah. know, entertainment, you can work for, you know, Department of Defense. You know, all those STEM fields are needed. Math, science, technology, engineering, you know, that's what runs this country and made us great. Yes. So all that know-how. And I think people would be surprised how enjoyable it is. And if you get in an industry and you don't, you know, maybe it's not for you, there's something else. You can switch to another one. You can go work for a global company. That's right. You know, it's traveling. So I think it it opens up a lot of opportunities, you know, for people. And then every company has to deal with cyber. Yeah. So 
I think that's the biggest thing is just the variety is there. You know, if you want to move to a different city or like I said, switch industries, you know, it's wide open for you. Wide open. Thank you for that. And to, in my experience, pretty well paying too. So (laughs) you you, you can pay the light bill very well with uh, being in the STEM areas as well. All right. Well, we'll have more information about where to find you in our show notes, but would you mind sharing with everyone how to find G2Ops? Okay. So our website is g2-ops.com. And then we're also very active on LinkedIn. So, and as well as myself, just Tracy Gregorio. So you can find us in the preferred place. All right, listeners. Well, no matter if you are in corporate America, you can send a quick note to your IT group and connect them to G- Tracy and G2Ops. Or if you own your business, you can still reach out to them as well and they can help you think through cybersecurity and, and create a strategic plan and give you steps on how you can get to where you really want to be in order to protect you, your business, and your data, because it's really going to help you increase probably your clients' willload as well, because they'll be very impressed um, with you having those in place. So thank you so much, Tracy, for the gift of your time today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you, listeners, once again, for tuning in to another episode. You know that I only ask one thing of you all, that's to like and subscribe to the podcast and to share with just one friend, because once you do, that helps us to expand our reach and to help others to lead at the top of their game. Thanks so much and see you next week. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Tracy Gregorio, CEO of G2Ops. Links to her bio, her entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources can be found in the show notes, both on your favorite podcast platform of choice and on the web at leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take on today's topic of cybersecurity. Now, while I'm no cybersecurity expert, I am an expert in strategic consulting and do know a ton about the questions that you should ask when considering any type of vendor or consulting platform. So the following questions that I'm going to give to you are ones that every employee, professional, or business leader should ask to ensure the technology platforms that they use every day have top-level cybersecurity protection. Now, this first question is one to ask your leadership team or your divisional team. So you should ask yourselves, Have we had our IT department or a cybersecurity consultant audit our systems to ensure that our platforms are as secure as possible, both as an independent technology platform themselves and as integrated platforms with the other systems that we use as they communicate with each other? I know that's a mouthful, but that's where you should start and because that will guide you on the next steps to mitigate any risk. And these next questions that I'm going to share with you are going to be helpful when screening a cybersecurity or technology consultant. Now, you should ask them, one, what is your method for conducting a comprehensive cybersecurity risk assessment? And how do you tailor your approach to the specific needs and risks of our organization? Also ask them, 
How does your firm handle cybersecurity incidents? And what is your incident response plan? Also ask, can you provide examples of past incidents that you have helped clients mitigate? Another question could be, how do you ensure that your team stays up to date with the latest cybersecurity threats and technologies because they change a nanosecond? Another question, how familiar are you all with relevant industry regulations and compliance standards? Like for instance, GDPR, HIPAA, ISO 27001. And then also ask them, how do you assist clients in maintaining compliance with these standards? The next question, what kind of reporting can we expect? And how often will we receive updates on our cybersecurity posture? And who will help us mitigate those updates? And then lastly, ask them, do you provide cybersecurity awareness training for employees and staff? And if so, what does that entail? Now, these questions will just jumpstart your thinking, and I'm sure you can come up with many, many others which are specific to your work environment. But think of how you will be able to differentiate yourself as a leader by just getting the conversation started. So thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast episode and being a member of our podcast family. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast with just one friend because performing this one selfless act will empower you to help others to also lead at the top of their game. Thanks so much for listening and see you next week. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.